You guys want lights or what? All right. Just give me a second, all right? How's that? You don't have to clap. It's just the lights, man. Come on. It's all good. Yeah, it's one of those situations that no one ever really wants to be in. But it's your parents, you know? Disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, it comes with the territory. Singing Christmas carols in the car all the way to the tree farm way out in the country. Some driver up ahead in a beat-up truck cuts dad off, and as any noble role model would do, he flips him off, (laughs) ultimately causing us to veer off the road into a snowy bank. Later on, we pick out the perfect tree, far too big and full of sap, and it barely fits in the living room. Next morning, the grandparents arrive, both sets, apparently to stay the entire week (laughs) up until Christmas. Well, Dad's purchased some 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights, and I get to help him. The first attempt at setting up the lights ends in near disaster with several broken windows and dad stapling the sleeve of his shirt to the roof line. The yuppie neighbors complain about their stereo system and their carpet somehow being destroyed in the process. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot. At work the next day, dad is expecting his big Christmas bonus. He's already put a down payment on a pool. But I don't think his boss even knows his name. A day and a half later, the decorating of the house with 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights is just about finished. And just in time for the big presentation, nothing works. Not a bulb. So dad flips out, karate kicks Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen, and proceeds to uppercut plastic Santa Claus. Real mature. But finally, the next night, mom figures out the switch, and the house is fully illuminated, causing a massive power surge throughout the city. And as we gaze in awe, we're stunned by the sudden and completely unannounced arrival of mom's cousin and his family and their 150-pound Rottweiler. (laughs) Apparently, their RV just rolled into town on fumes. In the early morning, the neighbors are in shock and awe that mom's cousin is simultaneously polishing off a beer, smoking a cigar, whilst emptying the sewage tank of his RV into the sidewalk drain. (laughs) Dressed, of course, in just a skimpy bathrobe and dress shoes. Turns out he has a metal plate in his head, and with the price of dog food skyrocketing, there's no cash for his kid's Christmas presents. 
I guess dad's going to pitch in. Well, it's, it's finally Christmas Eve, and the rest of the relatives arrive. Dinner is about to be perfect. A 20-pound turkey with all the trimmings. Aunt Bethany says grace the blessing. Well, at 89, we forgive her for reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. But everything's shimmering and perfect until the turkey is cut. The golden brown oven-baked carcass implodes upon impact with the knife. It tastes dry as a bone, inedible without consistent hydration. Snots, the 150-pound Rottweiler, has been drinking the water from the Christmas tree, causing it to dry out. And so when Uncle Lewis lights up his stogie, he incinerates the tree in the process. Somehow a cat, supposedly a, a gift, also gets torched, and a squirrel wreaks havoc in the house. It's a total disaster. But luckily, the mailman arrives with an envelope stuck in between the seats. Must be that big Christmas bonus. Unfortunately, it's a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. So naturally, Dad goes berserk melting down into a cussing tirade in front of all the kids and the whole family. Wouldn't be Christmas without disappointment, would it? But it's what that first Christmas had to be, right? Full of disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention anxiety, fear, uncertainty, worry. Might not be a, a dried up turkey or a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, but the disappointment has got to be there. She must have heard the news of her cousin, not Eddie with his metal plate and RV, but Elizabeth, the one who couldn't get pregnant for years, who finally is. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. It's always been strange to me how Hallmark has decided to depict angels. Feathers and halos and soft, pasty, genderless nudity. But it's like in scripture, when anybody crosses paths with an angel, they're terrified. They're freaking out. Daniel was, Hagar was, Zechariah was, the woman at the tomb were, the shepherds were, and of course Mary is too. It's got to be something otherworldly about them. So the angels always have to follow it up with that same familiar line, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Yeah. It sounds so formal, though. Like, what, what does that mean? You know, you have found favor with God. It means simply God is pleased with you. God is honoring you. And throughout this sermon series, as we've been deconstructing Christmas, asking why the nativity, why did Jesus become human, why Joseph, today it's all about 
why Mary? Why, why Mary? Why has she found favor with God? Why Mary? She's a lowly peasant, so she got that going for her. Uh, she's got no social status to speak of. She's without a proper education or business trade. She's a step up from personal property. She's scraping by under foreign military occupation and heavy taxation. She's located in a small podunk village that's nothing to write home about. Why Mary? Well, either there's something in the shawarma or some hallucinogenics in the lentils, but apparently some angel messenger named Gabriel is talking crazy. For some reason, Mary's favored. God is with her, and he's chosen to act on her behalf. Why Mary? She's poor. No status, no power, no assets, no experience or abilities or sparkling resume. Oh, but God. <laughs> God is always on the side of the poor, always on the side of the poor, the needy, the broken, the marginalized. And God is so biased and bent and tilted about this that he's always on the side of the poor, the needy, the broken, the marginalized because they are special objects of his concern. And we who are rich should take careful note of that. And ask ourselves, are the poor, the needy, the broken, the marginalized special objects of our concern too? Why Mary? Because the poor, the needy, the broken, the marginalized are special objects of God's concern. And she found favor with God. You know who else found favor with God? Noah. Everybody and everything is all jacked up. Evil, evil, evil. Genesis 6 says everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil, wicked, bad to the bone, but even beyond bad to the bone, the marrow, the soft tissue, the blood cells, everything. But then it says in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. And then God tells him, doesn't ask him, tells him to do something absolutely crazy. Build a boat. Well, it's not technically a boat. It's, uh, you know, because a boat has a rudder and sails and stuff. It's more like a raft that doubles as a zoo. And like all creation depends on you. So when the angel tells Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God, buckle up. Get ready. The crazy is coming. Because when God calls you, he calls you to a new life, a new mission, a new vocation of action, flesh and blood and bone action, building a raft that doubles as a zoo. Or in Mary's case, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. It's crazy. Through and through. Crazy. So Mary asked the angel, are you crazy? This ain't going to fly. This ain't part of my plan. No, no, she doesn't say anything like that. But she asks this uh, weird, kind of obvious sex ed question. 
Uh, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Okay. Simple enough, right? That makes perfect sense. Explains everything. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And then Mary says something that I don't think any of us would ever expect. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Yeah, but uh, I mean, let's be real. She's a teenager with her whole life ahead of her, hopes and plans and dreams and aspirations. Like, what about the wedding? Her entire family and village have waited for it. What of the new life with her soon-to-be hubby Joseph, the carpenter? I mean, the dude has got to be ripped as a carpenter, right? But the Greek word is actually tekton, and it means something, it's a generic term for like craftsman. And if you look at Nazareth, there's not a lot of trees, but there's a lot of limestone hills. So perhaps as a stonemason, this dude has got to be like shredded. Not like pastor yoked, but like stonemason yoked at least. And she'd want to experience life with him, right? But he'd probably bounce because there's the whole world of honor and shame, this culture that is, the honor and shame is just oozing out of the culture, even though she's done her best, her very best. Who in the world is going to believe that she's pregnant and a virgin? Oh, the disgrace headed her way. Mom's tears soaking the mattress and all the pillows. Dad going berserk, melting down into a cussing tirade in front of all the kids and the whole family. Talk about disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention anxiety, fear, uncertainty, worry. If I'm in Mary's situation, I'm burning through all five stages of grief and back again. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, then probably back to depression, bargaining, anger, denial. Denial because clearly... Biologically, this is not possible onto anger. I'm angry that my expectations, my hopes, my plans, my dreams are now crushed. Why do I have to be cursed with an abnormal pregnancy? Onto bargaining. Is there anybody else? Like, a bit inconvenient right now. How after the wedding? Onto depression. Oh, (laughs) I just, I can't bear the weight of this. I can't bear the weight of everything I've lost. The the scandal that's going to scar the wedding if there's still going to be one. And then a a honeymoon season of spit up and diaper blowouts. How, How am I even supposed to think of acceptance? But Mary? Right away, her first words, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. 
Like there had to be disappointment in there somewhere, right? Like would seem so. I don't know. It just says uh, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived with his wife Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. So she hurried there, but it's a trek, a 30-hour walk minimum, at least according to Google Maps. Nothing like hiking with morning sickness. But why? Hide out? cycle through the five stages of grief. Maybe she went for encouragement or relatability. I mean, Elizabeth is pregnant too. It says this, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Get this. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, a fetus. A fetus was the first to rejoice at the news of Jesus. Think on that. A fetus is the first to rejoice at the news of Jesus. Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like it's contagious. Like, check it out what I think the Holy Spirit is doing in the face of disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention fear, uncertainty, and worry. Elizabeth gave a glad cry, woo, and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Future John the Baptizer is doing backflips and barrel rolls. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I don't know if Mary went through the five stages of grief. Scripture, it doesn't say. But if she did, well, she added a sixth. She went beyond the five stages. She added faith to her acceptance, and it turned into appreciation. It turned into worship. Mary added a sixth stage, worship. And that's what happens when we let God speak into the areas of our heart that discouragement and disappointment expose. We have the opportunity to respond with worship, praising God, honoring God. And the beauty of worship that we've seen documented throughout the Bible with thousands of years of street cred, dating back to even 1400 BC, about 3500 years ago, that, that worship, it moves us from complaint to confidence in God, from desperation to praise. And it's all done in the full awareness of the unrelenting difficulty of human life. And the crazy part about it all is that it does this in knowing like the external situation hasn't changed at all. Maybe nothing has changed in the external situation, but something internal, something inside has. And so in the full awareness of the unrelenting difficulty of what is before her, even with the disappointment and embarrassment and anxiety and awkwardness and fear and uncertainty and worry, Mary responded with worship. Mary responded Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice 
of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones, conceited ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and has remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham, him and his children forever. Now, we won't always feel like worshiping, especially like this, when we're met with disappointment. But it offers us an opportunity to cling to God and experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. The greatest things God wants to do in our world will often come from our response to the disappointment in our lives. When we worship instead of complain, when we worship instead of complain, we get to be a part of God's great plan for the world. But you know, like four-year-olds love to complain. So do two-year-olds. Nora can't talk yet, so she can't quite complain. But Etta, our two-year-old, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's a spoon. <laughs> We're putting up Christmas lights, not 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights, just like four or five strands. And Zeke, our four-year-old, is adamant, adamant that he is going to use his own ladder. I'm like, all right, dude, I'll set up another ladder in the middle of the grass, away from the windows or the house or anything breakable. And you can go up, I tell him, three steps. Three steps only. I turn my back, he's up four. <laughs> Zeke, I told you, only three steps. You know, your mom is afraid of heights. She's probably going to go into another cussing tirade if she saw you doing this. And he responds to me. He says, I'm four. That means I can go up four. And I said, no. No, 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 no. We are not doing this right now. Stop complaining. Stop arguing. Just obey and listen. I'm thirsty. Dude, we're trying to put up Christmas lights right now. Meanwhile, Etta, his two-year-old sister, is scaling the other side of my own ladder. Dada, I'm hungry. Guys, we're trying to have a good time here. And so I, I try to like, keep her occupied. I hand her this, the extra coil of, of lights. And she starts doing what you know, the, they do at CrossFit, you know, that workout with the ropes. So now trying to hang the lights is like trying to wrangle a pit viper. Guys, Dada, stop. Please, please, just, just put it down. Dada, I, it's heavy. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. Where's Mama? Can we go to the park? Can I pee right here? So I came up with a new line, a ridiculously dumb mantra that maybe if they repeat it enough, it'll make sense. We are the K's and we don't complain. I said it about 40 times, and 
it still hasn't stuck. <laughs> we are the K's and we don't complain. But Mary probably had every right reason to complain. But it just says that she worships. Even more, it says Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then, catch this, and then went back to her own home. Now, according to the most trusted source for <clears throat> medical advice, WebMD, at three months pregnant, you might have symptoms like nausea, vomiting, constipation, gas, heartburn, swelling, itching. Your wife might also have similar symptoms. She's probably starting to show that baby bump just in time to head back home when hiding the bun in the oven becomes increasingly impossible. Mary returns to the sneers and the rumors, the gossip and the shame. She can't just shrink into the background, into the shadows and disappear. She has to keep moving forward and follow the crazy plan that God has for her life. He's called her to a new vocation, a new life. A new mission, flesh and blood and bone action. It means facing head on disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention anxiety, fear, uncertainty, worry. But it's all, I'll just been so disappointing, though. You know, the, the trying and the not succeeding. I guess you call it failing. It's not what her, her husband calls it. But she can see it written all over his face when, well, another month passes. He's a rock. He really is. But after the days turn into months and the months turn into years, how do, how do you keep the encouragement up? He's at a loss for words. What can he say that he hasn't already said? She's sure that he carries a bitterness too, an anger, a resentment toward God. She sure does. Every try is layered with a pressure and an expectation, a shimmer of hope, in there, maybe somewhere, but fading like the setting sun. They tried all the experts and the doctors and the specialists, all the methods to sprout new life in an empty womb. But the result is always the same, always ending in heartbreak. She's worn out from sobbing, from soaking her mattress with tears. And now when this is going on in your life, you can't see the disappointment in Mary. Oh, she's, she's struggling with disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention anxiety, fear, uncertainty, worry. Really? Really? I, I don't see it. I can't buy that interpretation. It doesn't even say it in the text. I, I don't see disappointment. I see blessing. And that's the beauty of reading the Bible in community. 
it's certainly plausible that Mary faced huge disappointment, embarrassment, awkwardness, not to mention anxiety, fear, uncertainty, worry. But it's also, and perhaps in the same breath, realistic that, as she says, she rejoices in God, her Savior. Wait, 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 wait. Did, I, I'm confused. Did you just do an entire U-turn on your message? All along, you've been building this case that Mary faced disappointment and anxiety and five stages of grief, but now you're saying maybe it's all just blessing? Is it disappointment and anxiety that she's experiencing or rejoicing and blessing? Yes. Sometimes our position and perspective and vision and understanding and interpretation, especially of the Bible, it's determined by where I sit. Where I sit determines what I see. Where I sit determines what I see. And so sometimes I need to move to see how someone else experiences it, to see how someone else sees and hears and understands. Like, it, it certainly might be disappointing, embarrassing, awkward, having to sing Christmas, having to sing Christmas carols in the car with your parents. But hey, you've got a car and parents and ears that work. Ugh, grandparents that stay the entire week up until Christmas? But how many would wish for one more moment? Hmm. 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights? Thank God you've got electricity. Mom's cousin with his beer and cigar and skimpy bathrobe. Laughter is a treasure. A turkey that's dry as a bone and a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. That's a first world problem and a good one to have at that. So maybe it's not just disappointment. Maybe it's blessing too. I often have to tell myself, some people would love to have your problems. Some people would love to have your problems, I tell myself. And it gives me this new perspective, a fresh perspective on just about everything. Like, why Mary? Why Mary? Because the poor, the needy, the broken, the marginalized are special objects of God's concern, and she found favor with God. But maybe when I see her story in a new way, a fresh way, not just the disappointment and anxiety she must have felt, but also the rejoicing and the blessing too, I see something new. That Mary's theotokos Mary's theotokos, a Greek word used since the third century to describe Mary as God-bearer, the one who bears God. The Council of Ephesus in 431 AD decreed that Mary is theotokos, God-bearer, because she bears Jesus. She bears her son, Jesus, who is both God and human, 100% human and 100% divine. And she, with God in human flesh developing inside of her, she is Theotokos, God-bearer. And in a way, 
in a similar, perhaps comparable way, maybe we are a lot like Mary too. We who call Jesus Savior and have a personal relationship with God and have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us have something similar, perhaps comparable to Mary. It sounds crazy, I know, but don't, don't nod off. But Mary, maybe this, this ordinary human from a forgettable town with God inside of her is more like us than we ever imagined. Maybe we're a lot more like Mary than we ever thought. Because this, Genesis 1 tells us that we are to be God's image bearers throughout the earth. Acts 2 shows us that now this is more intimate and embodied than ever before. The Holy Spirit inside of you. God inside of you. Why Mary? Because she shows us that even a timid teenage girl from a podunk town in an oppressed corner of the world can embody God to ultimately save the world, and maybe we, in a similar way, can too. As the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and said, the Lord is with you, I think the same is true for you, that the Lord is with you. So in your disappointment, in your embarrassment and awkwardness, not to mention anxiety and fear, uncertainty, worry, but also in your rejoicing and in your blessing, in your complaining and in your worshiping, in your five stages of grief and in your new vocation, life, mission of flesh and blood and bone action, in your trying and not succeeding, in your clinging to God, in your desperation and in your praise, know this, the Lord is with you. So why Mary? Because maybe in a way she's just like you. Theotokos, God-bearer. And so are you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of life that we have. Each and every day, we who follow you, who call you Lord and Savior, get to experience you in a very embodied, intimate, personal way that maybe we haven't been experiencing for a long time that maybe we just didn't really know that you, God, are inside of us. When we claim that you are Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, fill our lives. And you give us a strength. You give us a compassion. You give us a, a deep love. You give us a hope. You give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And how often, Lord, we forget about that that we don't live by your spirit. But remind us over this Christmas season, Lord, that we are like Mary in certain ways. That as she bore God, you, Jesus, inside of her, that we too in a similar way do the same. And that power, that transforming life is so contagious as we saw it just take a hold of Elizabeth too. Help us to be people who do the same. 
We give you our hearts, our lives, our, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, everything that we are, Jesus, because we want you more than anything. We didn't just show up today to, to sing some songs and hear some words and read some Bible, but Lord, we showed up today to encounter you to be changed by you, to be encouraged by you. And so God, I pray that this church, your people, that we humbly come before you, wanting to do your will, wanting to be like Mary, and just saying, we are the Lord's servant. May it be with us as you have said. And if someone in here wants to experience that for the very first time, that Jesus, would you fill them up? as they declare in their lives that Jesus, you are Lord, so take over. You died on the cross for my sin, for my shame, for my brokenness, and you rose from the grave. So let me follow you all the days of my life. Help us to be, Lord, the people you've called us to be. Like Mary. people who love you above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.